Welcome to the One Church Podcast. We're glad you could join us today for another epic message of grace. If you enjoyed today's word, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It helps others like you find our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram by following us at OneChurchVB or join the discussion on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash OneChurchVB. For more information about One Church, go to OneChurchVB.com. Now, for today's epic message of grace. Here at One Church, we believe your tithes should belong in your home church. If you feel led to give, tithes and offerings can be contributed online through the Venmo app, available both on Apple and Google. Just search for One Church VB to find us today. You are now about to experience a Wally Odom original. Please enjoy. There's no more important time in history than the miracle of Christmas. I say miracle because it really was a miracle. And not only was it a unique miracle, but in many ways there are things about it that are typical of of any miracle God does. And so I wanna talk about Christmas as a miracle. And uh, the fact that somehow what God did shows how God does things. And there there are two parts to any miracle. And and those two parts are both existent in the miracle of Christmas. One is the part that God plays. If God had not not created uh, Jesus as a baby uh, through a virgin uh, girl named Mary, there never would have been a miracle. And so there's a part of a miracle that only God can do. There's some things we can't do. And some things only God can do. Only, get, only God could create his own son as a baby. That was, that was a miracle. God's part. God doesn't expect us to be responsible for what only he can do. The other part of the miracle is there are things that had to happen that nobody could make happen. There were decisions that were made. There were things that had to, had to occur and nobody could have done it. It took God to do that. And so we're going to talk about God's part in the miracle, the most important part, of course, in a miracle is what God alone can do. The other part of the miracle is faith. God uses people. God used Joseph and Mary, of course, and God uses you and me. And so the other part of a miracle is the faith that we exert. And in some ways, there are parts of this process of faith that are difficult for us to understand. And we'll talk about that for a little bit. But let me read from Luke chapter two, verses one to seven. And you've probably, if you've been in church at all, if you've been a Christian at all, you've probably heard this over and over again, the most familiar reading of the Christmas story. But here it is, Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to town, went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. No room at the inn, as many of us have heard for most of our lives in the reading of the Christmas story. It's an amazing story. It's a story about God who came to earth. It's a story about what people had dreamed of for a long, long time, especially the people of Israel had long looked for a Messiah, had long looked for the Son of God, had, had long, they didn't know what he was going to look like. They didn't know how he was going to come. Most of them missed it when he did come. But it was the fulfillment of a long dream. And so the baby is born. And uh, it's interesting that a lot of things had to happen outside the control of Joseph and Mary. The very pregnancy happened outside their control. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. The power of the Most High overshadowed her. And that's how she became pregnant with the Son of God. And so a lot of this happened apart from any impartation that they had or any influence that they had. But the idea that God has somehow come to earth, that's the Christmas story. And so here it says, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. The entire Roman world was the whole, whole Mediterranean area, a large portion of the world. And so if you would have picked up the morning paper in Bethlehem that morning, you would have read probably something about Caesar, something about Augustus, because he was the main figure in the whole empire. You might have even read something about the governor, Quirinius. The truth is, even though they might have been the most popular and well-known figures of their day, they weren't the stars of this show, folks. They were the bit players. They were the side issue. The stars were Joseph and Mary and a little baby that was going to be born in a cave in Bethlehem. They were the stars, but nobody would have known that then. But Caesar Augustus had issued a decree. Here's the problem, see. God had said that the baby was going to be born. Messiah was going to come to Bethlehem of Judea. He said that in Micah chapter 5. And so God had said the baby's going to come to Bethlehem. But Mary's nine months pregnant and she lives in Nazareth. Why would God come to Nazareth? It was notoriously not likely a place for the Son of God to be born. In fact, Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And that would have been a pretty popular opinion. Why did God send a, send a baby to Nazareth and find a girl in Nazareth? to become the, the mother of, of Jesus. And the reason he did, Isaiah chapter nine has said, Galilee, the region of the Gentiles, was in great darkness and God chose Nazareth to send, to send an angel to find a young girl that, that, that would be pregnant with the son of God. And so it was an unlikely place. Jerusalem would have been the most likely place. It was an unlikely place, but there to Nazareth, Jesus sent an angel and so there's Mary, pregnant, nine months, uh, past the point of taking a long trip, I'm sure. And all of a sudden, she has to get to Bethlehem because that's where the baby's to be born. And so let me just say that there are some things that you can't control and that I can't control. There's some things that Joseph and Mary couldn't control. It was in the hands of Caesar Augustus and Quirinius, the governor. But this is one of the beautiful things about God. 
He handles the stuff we can't handle. He doesn't ask us, to ask us to do what we can't do. He just says to us to cooperate with what I want to do. And I can do the hard part. I can do the impossible part. And I'm only, only asking you to cooperate with what you can do. So here's God's part. God had made, had made Mary pregnant with his son. That's God's part. God had organized that there would be a total revolution of movement in the Roman Empire. That's God's part. Only God could do that. And so this is what God did. He had a census that was caused by Caesar Augustus' decree. And Caesar Augustus decreed it because he had a, a rebellion on the frontier to the north of the Roman Empire and he needed money. How do you get money? You get everybody to go home, take a census and collect their taxes. And so that's what Caesar Augustus was doing. And so here you have God doing something that they couldn't do. God organized so that Caesar Augustus was going to have to, to have a decree that there would be a census and Mary and Joseph would have to make a 100 mile, uh, mile trip on the, her on the back of a donkey, no doubt, in her ninth month of pregnancy so the baby could be born where it was supposed to be born. I'm amazed at the fact that God had every village Every person from every village in the entire Roman Empire get up and move back to their hometowns because he wanted to get one special, special couple, Joseph and Mary, to Bethlehem where their baby was going to be born. God has an amazing capacity to work everything around his purpose and his will. In World War II, there was, there was a, 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 a chaplain by the name of Captain Johnson he had a crusty old sergeant that, that was in the troop and the sergeant was a skeptic. And so the sergeant used to say, um, prayer doesn't work. And the chaplain, Captain Johnson would say to him, yeah, prayer does work, but he couldn't get, convince his sergeant to believe that. So one day in an island in the Pacific, they took off and they went on a bombing run and Captain Johnson went with them. Somehow a bullet found its way through the gas tank and, and the fuel tank of the plane began to leak and it couldn't make it all the way back to the bay. So they landed impromptu on the, on the beach of, of an island that they didn't know what the island consisted of, who was there. And so they landed on the beach at dark and they went on a reconnoitering mission and they found out that there were Japanese there. It was a Japanese owned island. They knew that if they were there when the sun came up, the Japanese were going to capture them and make them prisoners of war. So the sergeant said to Captain Johnson, he said, this would be a good time for you to pray if you really believe prayer works because that's our only hope. So Captain Johnson did pray. He said, God, I just pray that you'll deliver us, do a miracle. Well, at two o'clock in the morning, the sergeant got up and he went out to reconnoiter, see what was up. And amazingly, he looked out on the beach and there was a barge that had washed up on the beach. On the barge were all of these fuel containers, shiny containers of fuel that took just the, that were just the kind of fuel the airplanes needed. And so, and so they went out and they found out that they had all the fuel they needed from the barge that had washed up on the beach. They fueled the plane, took off and got home safely before the sun came up. That's amazing. They were so shocked at what had happened that they decided to find out where the fuel came from. 
and they discovered because it was branded, they discovered that it had been on a, on a tanker ship and 600 miles away had been in infested waters with submarines. And so they'd put, off the, they'd put it off on a barge, all the fuel off on a barge. It had floated 600 miles and arrived just at the beach on the night they needed it when Captain Johnson prayed. God's able to do miracles, folks. We're not talking about a God who's inadequate. We're talking about a God who knows how to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem if it takes a national decree of the emperor. We're talking about a God who knows how to float the fuel you need just the night you're going to need it when you pray and ask for it. We're talking about God's part of a miracle. That's the part that nobody can do. God doesn't expect you to do it, but he does that part. What about the human part of the miracle? There is a human part. I don't know if you've ever had God speak to you and give you a dream or God give you something and you know it's from God. You know he wants to do it. And I'm sure that when Mary heard from the angel in, in, in Nazareth that when she heard she was going to have a son, it would be the son of God. I'm sure there was all kinds of excitement there. I'm sure that she was really thrilled with the thought. And when Joseph had a dream, you're going to name the son and you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. I know that there are times in my life when I've known God said something to me that he wants to do beyond my imagination. And the thrill of that promise is just amazing. You, you, you kind of walk around going, wow, God spoke to me. God's going to do a miracle. Well, that's one part of a miracle. It's the exciting part. It's the beginning part. It's also excitement when it's over, when God actually does it. But there come those moments in between. And that's what that's what Mary and Joseph both walked through. And I'd like to point you to that because there are three things that happened to them that are part of the miracle, that are part of our faith, and we often experience. And one of them is misunderstanding. Joseph and Mary would be misunderstood for the rest of their lives. In John chapter 8, in John chapter 8, Jesus is called illegitimate by one of the religious leaders that was upset with him. We're not illegitimate. And what he was saying was casting aspersion on Mary and Joseph that had lived with them all their lives. How can you explain to people who don't believe that you had a child while you were still a virgin? Nobody's going to believe that. It's inclined to disbelieve. And so they lived under that under that. Uh, misinformation all of their lives. The other thing that happened, and this I find to be remarkable, is they lived with the discomfort that sometimes comes with faith. Discomfort. Mary, folks, is nine months pregnant, 100 miles away from Bethlehem. Joseph didn't turn to her and say, Mary, you realize that the Bible says in Micah that the son, that your son has to be born in Bethlehem, so we better get moving. He didn't do that. I don't think he would have dared to do that. I remember when we have three daughters. I remember when Gwen was pregnant with our third daughter. We just moved to Virginia Beach. She was pregnant and uncomfortable. And I got to share the experience of her, of her pregnancy, not the full pain of it, but I did experience some of the discomfort of being awakened at night. I can't sleep. Can you, can you give me a push? I want to turn over. Actually, Gwen, in the summer months of that pregnancy, would go to the beach with me. She would dig a hole in the sand so she could lay on her stomach with her, with her pregnant belly. And there she would lay on her stomach and just get some relief. I know that Gwen didn't want to go anywhere by car for 100 miles while she was in her ninth month of pregnancy. And here's Mary. 100 miles on the back of a donkey, 
a three-day journey. Tell me that wasn't uncomfortable. It was incredibly uncomfortable. There she is. She's in her ninth month of pregnancy, near the end, and in the discomfort of traveling 100 miles on the back of a donkey. And there she is on her way to Bethlehem because that's where the baby has to be born. There's sometimes when in, in spite of the thrill of a faith promise and in spite of the thrill that you know God's doing something wonderful, there's the dr drudgery, it, it, there's a workaday process that we have to go through of doing things that might be uncomfortable for a moment. We might not want to do them for the moment, but they're part of the process. Pastor David's wife, Joanne, said to me one time when we were talking about this, she said, the lesson is don't get off the donkey before, you get the, before the manger is in sight. Some of us get tired and uncomfortable. Don't quit just because you're tired and uncomfortable. Hang on because God's going to do what he said he's going to do. God's going to fulfill his promise. God's going to make it happen. The miracle is not in your control. It's in God's control. But you are in control of not giving up even when you're uncomfortable. The other thing is not only that, but, but the inconvenience that comes sometimes is a part of a miracle. The inconvenience, when they get to Bethlehem, they don't, they don't have a holiday in to stay, stay out. They don't have hot showers and they don't have color television. They don't have any of that. In fact, it says in the, in the old King James I grew up with, it says that there was no room at the inn. The inn wasn't like a modern inn. The inn was the word catalemma, and it had to do with the place where the animals were kept. You got a room maybe if you were staying with a friend. You got one of the rooms, but outside the house, it was just an enclosure. The cattle were sent into the enclosure. That was a catalemma. The, cat, the cattle were there. There was no food, just water. Jesus couldn't even get in where the, where the animals were kept were kept. And tradition says, probably very accurately, he was born in a cave. And so here's Jesus. They can't get a room. They can't even get in where the animals are. And they're born, and he's born in a cave. He's born in a, in a place. And all he has for a crib isn't a nice bassinet, but it's a donkey's feed box. That's where his mother laid him. And so you've got inconvenience, you've got misunderstanding, you've got discomfort. But in the midst of all of that, folks, God does a miracle. And when the baby's born, the discomfort doesn't matter. When the baby is born, when the miracle takes place, all the things that you went through and the misunderstanding, you can, do, you can, you can ignore that. The, the, the fact that somehow there's been, there's been difficulty to walk through, that doesn't make any difference. Once the baby's been born, the world is going to be changed. And so I wanna thank God and I wanna thank Mary and Joseph for Christmas because something wonderful happened and it changed my life. Jesus is the most important figure in any of our lives. Mother Teresa said something that, that uh, struck me a long time ago when I first read it by her and it still strikes me. She said, you'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. And folks, sometimes we get in the place where Jesus is all we've got. We don't have anything going for us but Him and His promise and what He can do for us. But I'm telling you what, because of Christmas, Jesus is not only all we need, He's all we got, and we've got enough when we have Him. And so I just pray that you'll enjoy this Christmas season. I pray that you'll let God do a miracle in your life. There are things that God has, has in store for you that you haven't experienced yet. God will do the hard part. He can make circumstances work out. 
He can even take people that don't love him like Caesar Augustus and make them tools in his hand. But I promise you this, God's gonna do what he promised to do. And so you and I, inconvenient, maybe, discomfort sometimes, the fact that we're misunderstood quite often, but we hang on to what God's promised because God not only did a miracle on Christmas, He's still doing miracles and He's still doing them for you and me. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for Christmas. We don't just bypass it without a thought. It's the important day in history where you came to earth and you changed the world. And I just pray God that you'll help us appreciate what you did. And God, may we like Joseph and Mary say, God, we're in this too. We'll cooperate with your plan and your purpose. We'll do what you want us to do and we'll trust you to do what we can't do, but you can count us to be faithful to do what you ask of us. And we pray your blessing this Christmas season on everybody who watches this. And I pray that miracles will continue to abound in our lives. You do the hard things that we can't do. And we trust you to do that in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another epic message of grace. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen so others can find us too. We'll be back next week with another incredible message. Until then, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at OneChurchVB or find out more information about One Church at OneChurchVB.com. Have a great week.